Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Tuesday, November 24th edition of the MAOB Daily Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Adam Merton, and I'll be taking you guys through the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. And on this Tuesday morning, I'm joined by my co-host here, Mr. Cole Shelton, with his glorious Movember. One more week of it, Cole, and then you can shave it. But I'm not oh, I can't it. wait. Even I'm not to shave, because last week I felt like a dirtbag after that guy uh, pointed out your dirty mustache. I was like, I got to shave my beard. So I feel nice and clean, Cole. You're... You, like you said, you look like an 80s porn star, which, again, you know, no, no issues with that whatsoever. But uh, one more week, Cole, and you're doing it for a good cause, so good, good job, man. Um, we got a lot to get to today, Cole. There, it really is a lot. We had, obviously, UFC 255 this past weekend. We had Bellator 253, which everyone's, like, not even talking about, even though a lot of stuff happened on that card. Invicta, there was a card. Legacy FC, there was kind of a card. I mean, lots of fights fell off the last second, but there is something to talk about there. And then, of course, this weekend's card, UFC on ESPN 18, UFC Vegas 15, whatever you want to call it, Curtis Blazers, Derek Lewis. So we'll be breaking down that whole card for you guys. And then we have uh, some news and fight announcements. Actually, you broke one of the fights, Cole, so I'll get you to talk about that one. And uh, read your questions throughout the show, guys. If you have questions, throw them in, and myself and Cole will answer your questions. All right, Cole, let's start with UFC 255. Let's just go through it, Cole, because there's obviously a lot to talk about here. We'll spend about uh, 15, 20 minutes on the uh, on the recaps, guys, from last week. Because, again, there's a few cards to talk about here. But we'll start with UFC. Uh, overall, Cole, I mean, okay. So I really don't like to complain about watching cards anymore because I feel like we're lucky we get to do this for a living, seriously. So I don't want to complain about it. But I will say this. The 10 p.m. start time is just too late now. It's ridiculous. And for a guy like me who has to work 8 a.m. on every Sunday morning, I didn't get much sleep. And I'm not, I'm not complaining too much. I love what I do. Don't get me wrong. It's a blessing that we get to cover MMA. But – my girlfriend watching me, Cole, and she fell asleep. And she wanted to watch that Valentina fight so bad and watched about a round and then fell asleep. The car, it just starts too late. And this weekend's car is 10 p.m. too. They got to change this, right? Like, this has got to be go the way of the dodo. This is It's 2020, Cole. There's no reason these cars should be starting at 10, a. M., uh, 10 p.m. Eastern time. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. And I think this week is a six-fight main card. Unless they switched it. I sure hope they switched it because 10 p.m. for a six-fight main card is absolute. No fight night should be 10 p.m. Yeah, I'm looking at ESPN, ESPN list. Yeah, ESPN list six fights on the main card too. So, uh, like, uh, and first off, they have to realize the majority of combat sports fans are going to be watching that Mike Tyson fight. It's obviously not going to be a well. Uh, no one knows what it's going to be like, but just like the for the nostalgic reasons and just like uh, it, it might be the last time you ever see Mike Tyson Roy Jones fight. So I think I think the UFC kind of dropped the ball watching because. I think you could have started this main card at 6 or 7 p.m., be done by 10 p.m., and that's exact. And Mike Tyson or you're probably going to fight around, what, 11, 11.30 probably? Because I think the main card starts at about 9. I think there's four or five fights, so about 11, 11.30. So I think the UFC dropped the ball because what are fans going to watch? Mike Tyson or Jones Jr. or about the third fight on the main card, which is Parisian, Parker Porter, Anthony Smith. Like, I don't really think this card's one that's going to keep the fans away from watching that card. Yeah, I mean, I'll watch both, obviously. So will you, Cole. Like, we have to, and we want to. I, I love combat sports, so it's totally you, Cole. But for a casual fan, they're going to probably switch between the two or pick one of the two. You know, it, it, I understood back in the day when, like, UFC went head-to-head with Affliction and stuff like that. Like, it made sense. But it's 2020. I don't really see the point of going head-to-head with Mike Tyson, especially when Dana's, like, friends with him, too. It's kind of weird, Cole, honestly. Don't really understand the timing for this card. But regardless, um, I think that based on what I saw on Twitter – People didn't really enjoy this UFC 255 card that much. Cole. It feels like a lot of fans felt like, again, the uh, the start time. But also, there's a few other things. First off, way too many commercials doing the actual pay-per-view. Like, you already bought the pay-per-view. You don't need to be watching commercials for fights. 
I'll give you an example, and this wasn't on the pay-per-view, the Buckley fight. Right before the fight started, yeah. they showed this highlight with with uh, Kasenga. It's like, we already know this guy's good. Why do you have to show that right now? Like, these guys are ready to go. That didn't make sense to me. And the commentary was terrible for this card. Like, Anik did okay, but Cormier and Joe Rogan were absolutely horrible on this card. They didn't even know how to judge. They're like, do, do the judges handle the scorecards at the end of the fight? Like, they can switch the round. It was, it was actually kind of embarrassing to listen to. Like, it just showed they didn't take it that seriously. Um, Joe Rogan... The guy's been around. He's a legend, man. Like he's been in, in the UFC, uh, working for them for over twenty years. So I respect Joe. I mean, when I got into the sport as a fan, he I learned a lot from listening to Joe Rogan. I think a lot of casual fans listen to the commentators and learn from them. How could you learn anything from this card? They didn't say anything was worth listening to. I would hope that Dana White or or the whoever runs the production had a talk with these guys because it was to me not up to par. Cole, you know, to be honest with you, the commentary was not up to stuff from this card, and when fans online are talking more about the commentary and what the commentators are saying wrong and, and their facts, getting facts wrong, like every fight, that's embarrassing. So I know Joe Rogan doesn't care. He's a millionaire. He doesn't care, Cole. Honestly, he doesn't. And I, I doubt DC cares either, although I would hope he would because he'll probably be doing this role for a long time. Because I think Joe, this is just so Joe's two, got one foot up the door already, Cole, I, I think. He just didn't care. And I'll say this, right before the card started, I said, oh, Joe Rogan's doing it. I'm really curious to hear what kind of research he did. I wrote that on Twitter, like six o'clock. Well, it turns out Cole, he didn't do any research whatsoever. The only guys he knew about were like Tim Means and like Shogun. That's it. He didn't know any of these new guys, Cole. And come on. I mean, Cole, me and you do this for the love of it, man. Like we do this podcast. We research it. I'm busting Cole's chops. I'm like, Cole, dig deeper. Dig deeper in these fights. These guys are getting paid tons of money and doing nothing for it, Cole. So to me, it's, it's, it, it bothered me. And, and I, saw that, I saw what everyone was saying, guys. So it's not just, it's not just you. Most people didn't really enjoy this card because the commentary took it down a notch. Here we go. Fight night picks. What's going on, guys? Mr. Craig Allen, what's going on? Respect the mustache, Mr. Cole Shelton. Yeah, I, I love it. I love it. All right, Cole. So let's actually get into the card now after we complained about it. But uh, Figueredo and Perez. Now, basically what happened was Perez just made a small mistake and he got he got caught. Like he paid for a tiny mistake with his neck and got tapped out in the first minute. And you might as well talk about the Moreno fight right now because – we already know who these guys are fighting each other. And Moreno, that fight was a pretty crazy fight. Royville's shoulder popped out. Really unfortunate. Um, he was losing the fight, though. Like, it's funny because a lot of people on Twitter are like, oh, Royville was going to come back and win. And I'm like, I actually picked Royville there. And I'm like, he was getting smashed, man. Like, I don't see any way he was going to come back. I know he's got good cardio, and so is Moreno. So both those guys win. Like I said, Cole, we'll talk about it right now. They are, they've been matched up against each other at UFC 256. That fight's happening in less than three weeks. So were you surprised so quickly they booked that fight? Or I guess now that we know that Peter Yan and Sterling's off the card, it makes sense, right? Yeah, it makes sense. <clears throat> but um, both these last two pay-per-views kind of fell short. I think the UFC's – I don't know why. The, hear me out. Why not make the December 19th pay-per-view? Throw throw figure well, you know. Hold on. Let me stop you there. I'm going to stop you there right now because I saw Ariel tweet the same thing. This doesn't make sense to me, Cole. I'll be honest. Why the fuck would you want to pay for it if you're getting it for free? Why would you want to? So I don't get that. I don't get it, Cole. I gotta be honest. I saw Ariel say the same thing. Why would you pay for that card when they're already giving it to you? The UFC is giving us a Christmas gift. They're giving us the Kamayev card for free. That card's insane, by the way. The card's stacked. Don't tell us. Don't tell them they want to pay for it, Cole, because they will hear this and they will make us pay sixty bucks for it. So please stop. <laughs> well, you gotta pay for one anyways. I just think that card's a much better pay for you, and then you get Ferguson Charles Oliveira for five rounds. That, that yeah, that fight should be five rounds, but either way. Um, but we do have odds for the fight call between Figueredo and, uh, and, um, right now, right now, minus 250 plus 210. 
I mean, I'm not surprised, Cole, but I still feel like the odds are a little bit wide. You know, I figure it was amazing. You can't you can't bet against him really. It's hard to. He's incredible, but Moreno's good, and he does have that wrestling call. We saw how did how did Figueroa lose his his last fight in the UFC? His only fight. How do you lose, Cole? He, he got taken down. Yeah. So I mean, Moreno's probably going to want to take him down and hold him there. He's super dangerous on the mat, though. His guillotine is is, is sick. Anyways, I I like Figueroa. I know you do too. I mean, you've been you've been talking with him and Valdezma uh, for a couple of years. Like you've been on him for a long time. So have I. I I've been picking. I picked Figueroa and Figueroa on I think every fight he's had in the UFC except for the first fight of his fight. But other than that, I picked him every fight. Um, I love the guy. He's incredible, and I think he's going to be good. But uh, you know, this fight with Moreno, it's just it's it's weird the, how short knows this book because first off, it's the the quickest turnaround for a champion and a challenger in UFC history. Previously, I think it was 28 days for Derek Lewis. He had fought Cormier uh, a month after he knocked out Volkov. So this is actually going to break a record here with these guys stepping in there. But they took no damage, especially Figueroa. Like, he took zero damage in this fight. So I'm fine with it. The odds, again, a little bit high in my opinion, Cole. But a great fight. And I'm looking forward to it. I want to get this uh, comment here. Turn up MMA. What's going on, man? I like the avatar, too. Is that Nick Diaz? That's pretty sick. What's up, gentlemen? Both of you are my predictor tournament, which will track your picture. 25 events. Beginning with the first event of 2021, preseason started last event. Sick. Good stuff, man. Well, good thing it's not this year because I've been yeah. terrible since they returned. It's one of those, it's one of those years. Like I actually was doing really well in the beginning of the year. Yeah. And then when the UFC returned in May, I had these events where I did so bad. And that's why if you look at the staff picks, I'm like in, I'm closer to the bottom than at the top, which which sucks. I mean, you want to be at the top, but the last bunch of events I did okay, except for this fast <laughs> card. This card was pretty tough, though. I mean, looking through it, I I went, I think we both went five and seven. It was a pretty tough card. I looked through the uh, staff picks. Most people did like six and six or five and seven. I don't think too many people had good nights. There was quite a few upsets. Um, this fight wasn't an upset. Valentina Shevchenko defeats Jennifer Maya. I think you went out at the time. And I, I messaged you. I go, dude, Jennifer is actually winning this fight. She won the second round. She did good in that second round. But otherwise, it was pretty much what I expected. I, I actually thought the fight would take place mostly on the ground. So I'm not surprised. I guess Jennifer Maya, you know, you got to give her some credit for surviving because most people do get finished against Shevchenko. But I'll be honest, Cole, this fight was super boring. It was super boring. My girlfriend fell asleep. She loves Valentina. She wanted to watch her knock someone out. And she the first round was her just lying on top in guard. The referee could have stood that fight up. It was a boring fight, guys, honestly. Good for Shevchenko. It was a tough style matchup for her. Maya's kind of one of those – she's one of those fighters where it's very hard to look against, good against. So I understand, like, a lot of her fights are very ugly decisions. But this fight was not very good. The good thing is – Shevchenko's next fight is probably going to be against Andrade, and that fight I can't see being boring. Andrade is just pedal to metal, moving forward the whole time. Um, and to me, that, that's the fight that makes sense. I know Lauren Murphy wants it, but cool. She beat someone who no one, none of us ever heard of, Lilia Shakarova. Like, that doesn't get you a title shot. I know she has four wins, but they're not good wins. So to me, Andrade 100% is going to get the shot, and Dana Waitery said that. What are your thoughts? How, how big of a favorite do you think Shevchenko is going to be over Andrade? I don't well, think she- I don't think she's going to be like a thousand, which she's been. I think it's a lot closer. I think it's, I think she's still going to be sizable. I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if she's 500 or 600 just because it's Shevchenko, but I, if I can't see it being any higher than like 650, probably. Dude, I was just about to say the same thing. I honestly was going to say minus 600. To me, that, that seems right, like minus 600 plus 400, but it could go up to like minus 800. I don't think it should be minus 1,000 either because I think Andrade has a chance because she does have KO power. Like she just knocked out Chukagi, and that's a great win. That's a really good win, especially after Caitlin looked pretty good in this card. So um, I'm with you, Cole. She's going to be favored in that fight, no doubt about it. We all know she'll be favored. But, you know, I don't think it's as much of a mismatch as some of these other fights she's had, including this fight, which I think – what did it close at? Minus 2,000 or something? Let me, let me take a look. 
Um, Which is close, minus twenty five hundred at Bet three sixty five. I saw you tweet, but I haven't found too. Why are the UFC showing all these stupid bets that are saying this person's putting twenty grand to win a hundred? I'm, I'm with you. I mean, listen, they're all in on promoting gambling, which me and you are obviously. I've been working in the gambling business for ten years, so I'm totally fine with it. Like, I understand it used to be taboo. I get that it isn't anymore. Gambling is part of our, our fabric of life. It's part of common life. If they want to promote it, fine. They want to put the betting odds up. They've been doing that for a few years. No problem. Please stop posting these shitty bets. The guys are making putting 20k on like five fight parlays with three underdogs to win like 500 grand or whatever it is. It's a joke. It's it's actually influencing people in a bad direction, in my opinion. Listen to us. Listen to me and Cole. I mean, I've been doing this for a long time. I think I have a de- decent system of of betting. You don't want to put be putting more than two, maybe three people in the parlay. I mean, that's and I only like to do that, guys. I like straight bets because I like to win or lose. That's me. You know, these guys putting 20K, it's some rich dude that's it's clicking buttons. That's what it is. 20K is, is like 20 bucks to them. It's like, oh, it's a guy who's a millionaire. He doesn't, it doesn't matter yeah. to him. Like, if you had a million bucks, you probably laid 20,000 20, on like Figueredo. You probably would have did it yourself. You'd probably be like, that's an easy 10 grand or whatever it was. That's probably what he would have did. But when they're putting, you know, five guys together and three of them are underdogs, it, it's stupid. And I tweeted that out and it got a lot of actually positive uh, feedback and people agreed with me. They just, they're, they're kind of like, just like, all right, it's a little too much. And also, and I, and I know that they do put my tweets on there. It's good, but sometimes they put too many tweets. I think and it can be a little distracting as well. So I can definitely see that as well. Um, going on the next fight, catch weight out. Tim means Mike Perry. Mike Perry missed weight. Uh, he he looked good in the first round. He had the back of uh, Tim yeah. means almost got him with the neck crank, I guess. But after that, just his conditioning let him down. Cole. Um, Okay, so I love Tim Means. I'm not surprised he won. I really wish I switched my pick. I even messaged you. I said, man, he missed weight by four pounds. I got to switch my pick. I didn't do it. Regret it. But as far as the fight goes, it's just more proof that Mike Perry uh, really shouldn't be fighting the UFC anymore, I don't think. He doesn't take it seriously, Cole. He doesn't care about his job that much, in my opinion. He's got his pregnant girlfriend, some random dude that we, none of us have ever seen whose cover, face is covered up. That was weird, Cole. That whole thing was weird. Um I don't know. I, listen, Mike Perry is good for guys like us, Cole, because you write an article with Mike Perry, it's going to do pretty well as far as hitting goes, but I'm kind of tired of this guy. I'm not going to lie, Cole. What are your thoughts on Mike Perry? I'm, I'm kind of over the whole Mike Perry shtick. What do you think? I thought the UFC had a good chance to cut him after everything that happened, just with like his ex-wife, and then obviously that thing with the old man at the bar. Obviously, that was not a good look. And what kind of strange is the UFC is like, we're not going to offer him a fight until he gets help. Then like two weeks later, he got a fight. I'm like, oh, the, the help... Oh, he's cured after two weeks. I'm like, what well, kind of like? He said he wanted to go through like anger management stuff for like uh, alcohol and stuff. And then it's only like a week and a half later, he's booked against Robbie Lawler. I don't get it. I think you could make the case to cut him. He's what is he? I think he's uh, three and like six in his last yeah. nine, something like that, or or four and five. But I know he has a losing record. He hasn't looked seven and seven in the UFC. I just shocked. He's seven and seven, so he's perfect. Seven and seven. But he struggled as a late. Like I know he's he's one and three in his last four, and the one wins over Mickey Gall. I don't think he's UFC caliber. I don't think he's a good look for the sport at all. I don't think he's a UFC caliber fighter anymore. He definitely has skills. Like this guy beat Cowboy Oliver and Paul Felder. He won't beat Cowboy Oliver and Paul Felder. I know Felder was short notice up at welterweight, broke his arm in the fight, but you don't look good against them without having some skills. But he just never, like, cared too much. He's just, like, I don't understand. Like, he looks good against Vicente Luque, and then he does this against Tim Means. Like, I don't know if he really cares about his career anymore. I, no, he doesn't. Hopefully him having the kid will change his mindset. Like He doesn't care about his career, so why should we? I mean, that's how I look yeah. at it. Like, he doesn't even show up on weight. He doesn't train. He's sending Tim Means videos of him, like, chewing burgers and stuff. That co- Those burgers cost him, like, 30 grand, Cole. 
I hope they were worth it, man. They better have been some good burgers. So, you know, listen, Mike Perry's an entertaining guy. Don't get me wrong. And again, you know, you write, we write an article for him on BJ Pentacle. People are going to read it. Don't, don't get me wrong. But as someone who, like, as someone who's been covering the sport for a long time, um, you just kind of see guys that have a lot of red flags around them. And this is a guy that it's freaky because he, re he reminds you of like War Machine a little bit. I don't, I really don't want to compare it to you because War Machine, he's such a bad person, but a lot of the same red flags, Cole, honestly. Like when the UFC said they wanted to get him help, he should have been out of the out of the case for at least six months to a year. He was back in two weeks being booked against Robbie Lawler. They don't care, Cole. Let's be honest. The UFC doesn't care. They want to put him in the car because they thought it was going to be a good fight. He ends up losing. Now he's lost three of his last four fights. They'll probably give him another fight, Cole. Let's be honest. Dana White likes the guy, but you I wouldn't offer him a give fight. Give him someone like Mexico so he can get another win. That, that's And then he just stays in the roster longer. Yep. It is what it is. All right, let's get through the rest of the card quick, Cole. Uh, Chukagan defeats Calvillo. Um, not a great fight. Chukagan's really not that exciting to watch. I saw her tweet the other day. She basically said, well, I'm, I'm the one fighting. I don't want to get brain damage. just the way I fight. Cole, she's been in the UFC since 2016. She has zero finishes in, in the UFC. She has... Um, four, six, and four, all 10 fights have gone the distance. Like, it's entertainment too. It's not just about winning and losing. It's also about putting on entertaining fights for the fans. And I really don't think she's did that. Also, she's fought four times this year, so I'll give her credit for that. She's been finished twice of those fights. But other than that, Cole, she just, it's the same point fighting Caitlin Chukagian. And and um, I, I just don't really enjoy watching her fight. What, what are your thoughts on her? I still remember watching her fight when I was at, uh, what was it, 231 in Toronto, and people were booing that fight against Jessica. Oh, I feel like every single fight she's in, she gets booed. And it makes it even worse watching her fight when there's no fans because all you hear is her scream, and I, I don't... Oh, it yeah, the me. whole um, hot, hot thing, I mean, yeah. listen, that's... When they, when you train Muay Thai, like, you do... They do teach you to do it, like, to a certain extent, but she kind of over-exaggerates, in my opinion, and I think she does it for the judges, too, Cole. Like, she tries to, you know, make those noises, and they think, oh, well, she hit her. So to me, that's part of her game plan too. But I, like I said, she has 10 fights and then she hasn't finished anyone. And in fact, in her career, she has uh, 15 wins, only three by stoppage. So this is a fighter who needs to start finishing fights. I don't see her getting another title shot anytime soon. Paul Craig defeats Mauricio Shogun Hua Cole by uh, TKO in the second round. Um, it was a tap out to strikes. To me, those should be submissions. Yeah. Also, it's just, it's crazy how many people said, this is the first time Shogun's tapped to strikes. No, it's not. Go back and watch the John Jones fight in 2011. He tapped the strikes in that fight. It's called a TKO. Watch the fight. Watch the finish. Look at his hand. Tap, tap. GSP tapped the strikes to Matt Serra, too. Go back and watch that fight. He tapped the strikes. Lots of good fighters have tapped the strikes. Yolanda tapped the strikes and throws. There you go. Thank you. She did, actually. That's a good point. It happens, guys. If, you're, if your brain's scrambled and your body's first reaction is to tap out, that's part of the sport. It's part of your brain saying, it's fight or flight. So it's not these guys being being wimps. And I saw people saying, this is proof Shogun's done. Dude, we've known Shogun's been done for a while. This is not proof of anything. There's a lot of stupid fans out there, Cole, who think that tapping out is like some sign of uh, of, of being a, a pussy or something like that. This guy's he's saving his, himself for another day, man. He was he was done. The referee should have actually stopped in a little bit sooner. I think it was Herb Dean. So to me, I, I don't have a problem with him uh, tapping the strikes, but he did hurt his uh, elbow in this, in this fight. He's been finished again. I think he's, it's time for him to go, Cole, but he does have two fights left. Do you think he gets the Anderson Silva treatment and gets, like, one more fight and gets his, like, uh, going away party? They, they let him, you know, bring his family to the Do you think that's what happens, or do you think Dana White's going to cut him right now? I don't know. I think the, the problem is Shogun has won a lot of fights lately. Like, he has I a know. record. So maybe they do give him one more. Like, he's obviously, like, 
I think you give him the right matchup, he can go out on a win. I didn't really understand. I know you fought Paul Craig to a draw, but what was the point of beating yeah, Paul Craig or losing Paul Craig? It didn't do anything. I think he's in that time where let him fight some veterans. Let him try to go out on a win. Give him one more and see what happens. But I, 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 what's, what's crazy to me is he's the same age as Alan Joban. <laughs> yeah, I know. And Alan Joban looks like he's like yeah. a supermodel who's like 25. It's crazy, right? I'm with you, Cole. I think uh, Shogun's definitely in decline. We all know that. But I, I feel like it's a little bit exaggerated because you look at his record, Cole, and, and I'm not saying it's amazing, but he is 5-2-1 in his last seven with a win over Corey Anderson. I, fight, I thought he lost, let's be fair. But he did beat Corey Anderson, who's ranked like number five in the world right now. So is he really that bad, as Dana White said? I don't know. You don't want to see a guy cap out the strikes. I get that. It's not a good sign. But it doesn't mean that he's you know some washed-up bum. I, I still think there's some fights he could win in, in the UFC. But like I said, with two fights left, Cole, he's already talked about it. He wants to be like an ambassador for the sport, which I, I think is a great idea. I think he'll get like one more fight, Cole. I just don't know who it's going to be because I think the, the little dog fight should have been the retirement fight for both guys. It really should yeah. have been. And now he fights Paul Craig, and it's like, okay, who does he fight next? I'm not really sure. So it's kind of weird, but I'm sh- I'm sure there's someone they could find from the fight. Um, let's go through the prelims really fast here, Cole. Uh, Joaquin Buckley wins a bonus. I'm not really sure if he deserved it. It was a good, it was a cool knockout. But how did Figueroa not get a bonus? And I know Valdi was pissed, right? So to me, that that didn't make sense. Antonita, I'm fine with her getting a bonus. I was shocked by how good she looked. She looked incredible. At 36, she's actually improving her game, which is nice to see. She's she's getting takedowns. She's getting the fight to the mat and, and dominating the floor. Lipsky, by the way, Cole, two and three now, maybe getting cut, maybe. But she did have that nice finisher last fight. Nicholas Dalby's huge underdog here, uh, picks up the win over D-Rod, over um, Rodriguez by unanimous decision. I actually did score for Dalby. A lot of people said this is a robbery. Are you kidding me, guys? This is not a robbery whatsoever. I'm sorry if you put Rodriguez in your parlay, and most people did, including me. It's not a, it's not a robbery. you got to score fights objectively. Too many people watch fights, Cole, because they had money in a guy, and they're like, he won. Who did you think won this fight? Cole? I thought Dolby won. What do you think? I thought Rodriguez, but I had no complaint. You wouldn't, would you call it a robbery? Would you? No. Well, it, exactly. The only issue I have with that fight is 30 27. Mm-hmm. I thought there was a clear round of peace for both yeah. guys. It, it, well, what round was I think, came I think it was the second round. Was the I think it was the or? second round. I yeah. think the third round was what? Third round was clear Rodriguez. First round was clear Dolby, or maybe it was the other way I don't around. I remember what it was either, but it should have been 29 20 either yeah. way. 29 20 either way, I had no problem. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. That, that That's a stretch. Um, Algy Banjar Gooden, great fights. I know that uh, there was a certain guy uh, who kept saying this was Friday night. No, because the first fight was Friday night. This was a good fight, though. Juban looked really good. Gooden's tough. He's very durable. But also the commentary for this fight was horrible. I mean, this is one fight because they literally praised everything Gooden did, which wasn't much, and they ignored pretty much everything Juban did, even though he won unanimously. He looked incredible. Um, Kyle Dawkins defeats Dustin Stolfis. Uh, man, that guy's huge for a middleweight. He's a massive dude. And then finally, opening up the card, this was, to me, the best fight of the night, in the one fight of the night. Sasha Palatnikov defeats Louis Kossi. Huge upset, plus 450 dog. Didn't see that coming, Cole. Looking back now, I'm not really sure why Kossi closed at minus 570. I remember when we talked about it, he was like minus 300, which made sense. Minus 600, That's that was kind of a stretch. I love this fight, though. It was an incredible fight. Palatnikov looks good, Cole. What do you think of this fight? I loved it, man. Yeah, this is a good fight. You honestly could have made an argument that that – it could have been stopped in the first round when Kossi was a hand. Yeah, I think so. It's possible. And how many upsets have we seen, Cole, where a guy who's the big favorite is smashing the other guy, he can't get the finish, and goes back and loses? Well, well that was a big rock on Kossi. We've never seen him outside the first round. Yeah. People were questioning his cardio, and this just kind of cemented the case yep, that yep. what exactly. happened in the first round. He put way too much energy to try to finish through the fight. He was close. If they stopped it, I would have no problem with it. I had no problem with him letting it go. It's kind of one of those ones where it was really up to the ref. He stopped it, okay. If he let it go, it was totally fine. But uh, I I don't know. Was 
Kasi, obviously, this I honestly thought Lewis was the better Kasi brother, but after this, I don't really know. I have to see, like, yeah. that's what the problem is. They fought literally no one on the regional scenes, and they got him ran out so quickly. So what was his cardio like? Yeah, I, me- I remember last week, and I, you know, I, I, I'm the first guy to remember I'm wrong, and I said, why is Platnikov in the UFC? Why did, why did he get a, uh, a free go and when this Kasi guy had to win on territories? Well, we see why. Clearly, a matchmaker saw this guy is, is quite good. So I was excited about that. But he has been knocked out twice in six fights, so it's still a little bit worrisome. Now let's go through Bellator really quick, Cole, because we don't we obviously have to uh, start getting to the next card. But um, we got to talk about the main event, AJ McKee. I called it, Cole. I love the guy. I love AJ McKee, guys. I was so confident in winning this fight. First round neck crank from guard. I mean, it was such a sick, nasty submission. Now the question is, Cole: Does he beat Pitbull in the finals or Sanchez? Does he win the title? What do you think? I think this guy's legit, but I told versus, you, man, he's incredible. Him versus Pitbull is yeah. such a good. Remember when? Probably what was it? Two, three years ago, everyone's like, "Who's the better prospect, Aaron Pico or AJ McKee?" It, yeah. It's kind of funny to look yeah. back on that. Like yeah. they're like, "Oh, who's the better featherweight prospect?" Because they're teammates. It's like it's all about who's going to get to the title first, and it's not even close of who's getting to the title first. Yeah, no, he's he's incredible, and I can't wait to see that fight. Um, Pitbull is fighting Sanchez in a rematch. The winner will fight McKee for the belt. At this point, Cole, I feel like McKee should be favored against either guy, honestly. And I love Pitbull. Don't get me wrong. He might be favored. But I'll tell you right now, if you're the books, you can't give plus money to McKee because people will gobble it up, Cole. I'm pretty sure it's going to be a really close line. There's a lot of other fights in this card, guys. We don't have time to talk about it. There's a few other things I want to get to really fast before the preview. Um, in Invicta, Kayla Harrison made her uh, featherweight debut, just absolutely <laughs> destroying Courtney King. I mean, it was just a crimson bloodbath inside the oct- uh, octagon. Do you think uh, do you think she's got what it takes, Cole, to, to actually be a legitimate threat to Amanda Nunes? I don't know. I don't think to say, right? Yeah. I think her striking leaves a lot to be desired. Obviously, her ground game is so dominant, but Nunes and she's I think if it stays standing, I think Nunes is a much better striker. On the ground, it's probably pretty equal. If Nunes can keep it standing, I think she has a lot of path to victory. Obviously, uh Harrison's a lot bigger. She's gonna be a lot bigger than Nunes. Nunes is a natural 35er. Harrison's a natural 55er. Like it's gonna be a big size difference. But do they ever fight? I'm not even sure because I think Nunes probably only has a couple more fights left. And right now, Harrison's locked into PFL for, I think, two more years. I think it was a multi-fight deal she re-signed last year. Yeah, she's got two more fights. And uh, she'll probably fight the next tournament because it seems like they'll probably do one at Featherweight next year. But uh, I think at this point, she's ready for the UFC. But honestly, if you're her, like when you fight <laughs> easier competition to make a million bucks, it makes more oh, sense. Oh, she just runs the entire tournament. Yeah, absolutely. Straight wager. What's going on, bro? First fight was a banger. Happy to see you get 50 years. Me too, man. And way too many people said the Mike Perry fight should win the fight of the night. No chance. I love Mike Perry. Uh, uh, Tim Means. I love Tim Means. Mike Perry's exciting. Well, Tim Means would have got 100K because of that. So yeah, that I mean, it would have been nice for Tim. I loved him. Exactly. That's the other thing. Mike Mike was ineligible, so there was no point, really. And this fight was better. The last thing I want to talk about, my boy Alex Pajaya, Cole, gets another quick knockout, this time in MMA. His first MMA fight in four years over in LFA. I can't wait to see this guy in the UFC, Cole. I just think it's a matter of time. The fact he's in LFA, the fact he's got that feeder deal. When I talked to him last month and talked to his manager, Matthias, I was surprised when he was like, hey, I have a two-fight deal with LFA. I was like, really? No one knew about this. Now he's got the first round of the way, a vicious KO. There's actually a card in a few weeks. Maybe he fights in that card before the year's up, Cole. It's just a matter of time until he's in the UFC, right? Oh, 100%. I think probably one more fight in LFA get another and, and, and how good is his striking though I mean seriously like it's the next level right oh it's so good yeah it's so good and that's the difference between like a glory kickboxer and an MMA kickboxer like, you saw Dustin Jacoby a guy who really wasn't that good in MMA 
goes to glory, hones his skills, comes back. Now he's like the destroyer of worlds. So a lot to talk about. All right. That's it for this card. Let's go to, we're going to go to uh, uh, UFC Fight Night Blades versus Lewis. So we got a lot to talk about. By the way, <laughs> have you noticed the poster that's been going around for this card on the internet? It looks like it's folded in half. I'm like the UFC intern or whoever folded the poster in half and then took a picture of it. Because I was like looking at it. Actually, cool. I was, on, I was looking for it for my article and I was like, where can I find this picture? I kept seeing all the folded ones. I'm like, what the hell? And then I realized that some of the UFC screwed up. So it's kind of funny. Anyways, let's get through this card, guys. So lots to talk about here, Cole. I'm setting up just overall thoughts on this card. It's an all right card. I think it's there's some fights going forward to. It's not the best of fight night cards, but I mean, you watch fights and you can't really complain too much. Absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. We we love what we do. I'm so blessed to do what I do. I've been doing it for almost ten years, so I can't complain too much, guys. I mean, listen, it'd be nice to, for these cards to end a little bit earlier and stuff like that. But at the, at the same time, man. We got to watch about 12 fights this weekend. I'll take that any day of the week. So let's start with the uh, the first fight in the card call. Bandway bout Nate Manis against Luke Sanders. Right now we got Manis. He is a min- – or sorry, Sanders minus 140. Manis plus 120. Who's your pick? I actually like Nate Manis in this fight. I worry about Luke Sanders' layoff. He hasn't fought in quite some time. Uh, 29- February 2019 when he beat Henbarrow. Obviously, that's not the best win before that. Lost to Randy Yaw. Beat Pat Williams, which guys not in the UFC. And then this is what really – he got knocked out by Andre Sukhutov, who I don't think is that very, very good. He hasn't looked very impressed to me in the UFC. Like, obviously, he started off good uh, with a win over Blanco. He looked good in our favor. He beat Terry Unware who, and uh, Dan Moret, Derek Minner. But in the UFC, he's 2-3, and three, coming off a long layoff. Nate Manis has a lot to be desired with his takedown defense. That's a big issue. If Sanders wrestles, I think he can win this fight. But on the feet, I like Manis as a better striker. I worry about the layoff. I worry what Sanders is going to look like. He's getting up there in age. He's already 34 years old. Their size is pretty similar. Manis could have an inch reach advantage. Not much there, but I, I like Manis just to be able to outstrike Sanders and win a decision. I, I don't want to correct you or anything like that but by any means, Cole, but uh, it's actually a five-inch reach advantage. I'm looking at the uh, the stats right now. So, Nate Manis, 72-inch reach to 67 for Luke Sanders. So, that's... A, well, a topology says 71. That's don't use topology. Use the UFC stats for that stuff. Because um, uh, they obviously measure it and stuff. Also, a four-inch height advantage, which helps a little bit too, in my opinion. Um, and also, he's six years younger as well. And also, as far as takedown defense goes, the last fight, this guy, Johnny Munoz, attempted 16 takedowns and he stuffed 14 of them. He only allowed two takedowns. So, I think his takedown defense is not as bad as, as I thought at first. Because I look back at it and stats are good. Luke Sanders is only hitting 25% of his takedowns too. Again, numbers are one thing. It's just a supplement. Because honestly, I like Manis too in this fight, Cole. I'll be honest. Um, I didn't think he looked that bad in his last fight. I mean, the strike stats are, are not good. He only landed 21 strikes. But he stopped 14 of 16 takedowns. That's pretty good. Um, Luke Sanders is going to want to get the fight to the ground. I don't know if he's going to be able to do it on a consistent basis. If he does, he could finish the fight in the ground. He obviously has grounded pound. He's got submissions. But... I think Manis can keep the fight standing. And on the feet, I think I give him a slight advantage with that reach. Five-inch reach advantage, guys. So Luke Sanders, is, he's a guy that does have a high volume and a high pace. And uh, it, it, it can definitely win in this fight. That's why he's slightly favored. But I will take a dog to start up the car with you, Cole. I'm going to take the dog here, Nate Manis. I, I believe he wins a decision, Cole. That's kind of how I'm looking at it. Manis by decision plus 195. That's why I'm looking at that one. Next up, Sue Madarji versus Malcolm Gordon at 125. Interesting fight in the flyweight division. And right now we have Madarji. He's a big favorite call here. Minus 330. Malcolm Gordon, the Toronto, Ontario native, plus 270. What are your thoughts on this one? 
I thought it was at Bantamweight because I thought Gordon was moving up, but I, I apologize. It might have been actually, and also the first fight, guys. I should mention it's actually at 140 pound catch weight. The man is Tanner's fight. Topologies listing this fight as flyweight call, but it could be wrong. You saw him on 35. I thought it was Bantamweight. Let me check on the UFC stats website because uh, be either way, it doesn't change my pick. I like Sued Majari here. Flyweight. Uh, it is at 125. It's 125. Okay. So obviously, Sue is come down to flyweight, which should be interesting. He is 24 years old, which I'm surprised he is that young. When I keep looking at him, I'm like, wow, he's that young. I'm not too impressed with him. Lost to Louis Smolk on the, uh, in his UFC debut and beat Andre Sumitoff. Has not fought since August 2019, which does scare me. But Malcolm Gordon obviously works Bazooka Joe. If he gets to fight down on the ground, I think he has a lot of success. I don't like the betting line. I think Sue can stuff the takedowns, keep the fight on the feet. And once it's on the feet, I think he's a much better striker than what Gordon is. I just want to just pick apart Gordon, probably win a decision. But again, I wouldn't bet this fight because I'm not laying that kind of chalk on Sue Majari, who I'm not very high on. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on this. The line's too high, in my opinion. Um, what did it open at? It must have been lower. Minus 175, which makes more sense. I think this line's been steamed up way too much, guys. Uh, I'm going to pass on a bet in this fight. I don't like my Jarji at minus 330. I, I will pick him in this fight because, again, he has advantages. Um, six years younger, like you said, Cole, only 24. He's a southpaw, which helps a little bit, too. He's one-inch reach advantage, one-inch height advantage. But what I like about him is, is the, the activity and the volume because you look at the stats in that fight with Sukuntah, my God, he landed a lot of strikes in that fight. So I, I think, you know, we've seen him fight before. We know he's a really good striker. We know Gordon's got some good striking, too. But overall, I think Jarji is a little bit better on the feet. On the ground, it's going to be interesting, though, because we've seen both guys get submitted, Cole. I really don't think the fight's going to go to the ground. If it does, I'd probably actually give Gordon a slight edge there. So, to me, Gordon, he does have some ways to win this fight. But overall, Cole, i got to go with Madarji. I just don't love the odds. I think minus 330 is a little bit excessive for this fight. A guy he only has one one record in the UFC. Straight wager. Manus, look, I'm with you. I'm with you, bro. We both like Manus in that fight. Again, the, the takedown defense, and I think he might be a slightly busier um, striker in that fight, too. All right, next up, this fight was booked on like one week's notice. Kai Kamaka, the third against Jonathan Pierce, JSP. And right now we have Kamaka Cole. He's a big favorite, minus 330. Identical line last fight, plus 270 Pierce. I'll be honest, Cole, I feel the same way about this fight, the last one. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, Pierce is actually dropping down a feather, which I'm kind of interested to see how he looks. And he was supposed to fight Sean Woodson, who I thought was a terrible match for him. Yeah. Sean Woodson, I think they were just trying to give Woodson. Uh, I think the UFC likes Woodson. I think they're trying to give him a win because I think he would have just outstruck Jonathan yep. Pierce. He had a huge reach advantage, but uh, Kai Kamak is stepping on short notice. Obviously, really good fight, really fun fight against Tony Kelly last time out. He should not be this big a favorite. I do think he will win. I'm not too high on Jonathan Pierce. He, he hasn't fought since October of last year when he got knocked out by Joe Lazone in the first round. Doesn't look too good. Got knocked out pretty early. Didn't show a whole lot in that fight, but maybe Featherweight's the home for him. Maybe it just was too underside. So uh, that's why I wouldn't bet this fight. If this, this should not be Kakamak should not be anywhere near what he is right now. He should I wouldn't even, I don't even think he should be a two to one favorite of Jonathan Pierce. Like I don't understand this line on this fight. I like Kamaka to probably win. Maybe he finishes Jonathan Pierce. We've seen Pierce get obviously finished last time out. He's been finished twice by submission. I don't know. I like Kai Kamak in this fight, but no way I'm betting him at this price. Yeah, I think the line's way too high in this fight, too. First off, one week's notice. I, we just saw this fight get booked like a few days ago, so I don't know how much notice these guys are having. The fact that his book to short notice does worry me because I know Pierce probably was training for a, a featherweight fight, but it's a short notice fight. So, I mean, can he even make that 145? We'll see. Um, I I don't know, Cole. I mean, to me, this fight's got upset potential on it, guys. Honestly, I could definitely see GSP, JSP winning. I, I, I mean, he's no GSP, obviously. But or even an OSP, but JSP isn't as bad as I think as some people think. Like, yes, he got knocked out by Lozon. That was a terrible loss. Seriously, it's so bad looking back. 
to, to lose to a guy like Lozon, who's on his last legs. But before that, he had won five trade fights by stoppage, and he had won that fight in contender series. And people, he was a big favorite in that fight, I think. And people were talking about him as like a good prospect. So it's MMA. I mean, I understand you're only as good as your last fight, and he, he got destroyed by Joe Lozon. That's terrible. But I just don't think this guy's as bad as some people think he is. At the same time, Kamaka's got a lot of momentum coming in this fight. He's got, what, six fight win streak. He had that great fight with Tony Kelly. He won a decision in that fight. It was a great back and forth war. Um, you look at his resume, though. What bothers me is the lack of finishing ability, Cole. Six straight wins by decision. Can this guy even finish, guys? I don't know. Can he not put, if you can't put Pierce away, does he win a decision or, or does he lose a, a, a lot, like a, a long, drawn decision? I'm not sure. So um, there's obviously some advantages here for Kamaka. He's a little bit younger as well, stuff like that. But Overall, I think the line's too high. So I'm going to pass on this one. I have no interest in this fight from a betting perspective. My pick's going to be Kamaka by decision. But honestly, guys, we saw what happened last week. There was like, what, four upsets and a few on the prelims. So don't just blindly bet that one. All right, next up, we have a women's flyway bout between Rachel Ostevich and Gina Mazzini. Ostevich is 4-5 and five in, the, in uh, her MMA career, and Gina Mazzini is 6-4. and four. Wow, I can't believe this is in the UFC. Um, right now, we have Mazzini is uh, the favorite, minus 150, Ostevich plus 130. What are your thoughts on this one, Cole? I actually like Gina Mazzani and I actually like the line of minus 150. I don't think Rachel Osvich is UFC caliber. Gina Mazzani's cutting on to 125. And what I really like about this fight is she packed up everything for Vegas, moved up to Missouri to train under James Carlos. I think James Carlos is one of the best coaches in MMA. Mm-hmm. I don't think he gets enough respect. That camp doesn't get enough respect. I like that move for Gina Mazzani. I think she was a bit undersized for 135. And Rachel Osvich, I just she hasn't fought this. She got submitted by Page Fans and on the first ESPN card back in January of 2019 when TJ Dillashaw lost to Henry Cejudo. That's how long ago that was. She has not fought since then. She got armbarred by Paige Van Zandt. She has a big hole in the ground, submitted by uh, Montana De La Rosa. She's got submitted by Andrea Lee. I think Mazzani can get this fight down the ground. She doesn't have the best ground game. But even if it stays standing, Gina Mazzani is a much better striker than Rachel Osovich. I think Gina Mazzani is going to win this fight all day. It's just to me whether or not she can – Finish Rachel Osvich. Sinatra gets finished quite often, but I think Mazzani wins, and I think this could be the end of the road for Osvich in the UFC. Yeah. Um, by the way, the last fight, I should just mention this quickly. JSP actually has a five inch height advantage and two inch reach advantage. So he does have some advantage in that fight, guys. Again, I think that line's too high. As far as this fight goes, man, I mean, I don't really think either of these fighters should be in the UFC. Gina Mazzani is in the UFC because she pretty much takes any fight they offer her. So I respect that. Rachel Osvich is in the UFC because she's really hot, but she's not really much of an MMA fighter, in my opinion. She barely fights. She's looked pretty bad in the UFC in all of her fights, except for her first one where she won by submission since then. just To me, she's just not really an MMA fighter, Cole. I mean, I understand like she's marketable. I can see why they why they like her, but this is definitely her last chance, I think, to win a fight. Same with Mazzani. Loser gets cut. Um, Mazzani's got a six-inch uh, six uh, reach advantage. She's a southpaw, which helps as well. She's far more active inside the octagon. It's just that, do you really want to bet on someone who's lost four of her last five fights? I don't know. I'm with you, though, Cole. I'm going to pick Mazzani in this fight just because it's a pure fan of Osevich. She's not that good at all. I don't think she, she's really a UFC caliber fighter. But do I really want to lay minus 150 on and like lay a full price and, and, and watch this fight? I don't know. I think she wins. Again, the, na- the name of the day is winning bets. The name of the day is value. I think she does win this fight. But is like you, you guys know what, what I like to do. I like to bet on fight, fighters that are consistent and win fights often this is someone who's barely won anything in the ufc so i don't know um guess i'm not as confident as you as her cole but i am going to pick her still what i am looking at though is the under two and a half rounds at plus 185 cole because i think there's a finish in this fight i do believe that we will see a rare finish in women's fight 
I don't think either of these women has the cardio to really go full, the full 50 minutes. Maybe Mazzani does. I don't think Ostevich has 50 minutes of cardio call. I think she's about five minutes of cardio call. Again, I, you know, I, I, I can see why the UFC likes Ostevich. We all can. You've seen her Instagram, guys. You guys know what I'm talking about. But is she really an MMA fighter? I don't know. So my pick's going to be Mazzani. I think she can submit Rachel Ostevich. Let's take a look at that. Mazzani by uh, submission. Plus 700, that's not bad. I think she finishes this fight. I think this fight's going to uh, end inside distance. So I would rather bet the under two and a half at plus 185 because there is a chance Ostrich could maybe get an arm bar. You never know. But overall, I mean, ugh, this fight shouldn't be in the UFC, man. Next up, Martin Day against Anderson DeSantos call. Right now we have Martin Day minus 165. DeSantos plus 145. Who are you going to pick, Martin Day or the mixture between Anderson Silva and Junior DeSantos? these next two fights coming up for me are the hardest fights to call just because I'm not hiding either guy. Martin Day, I got knocked out against David. I picked David at last time as an underdog. He's returning pretty quickly after getting knocked out. Anderson Dosados, though, hasn't showed much in the UFC. Obviously, 0-2 lost to Nadine Armani and Andre Ewell, who are respectable opponents. I lean Martin Day slightly. I've been more impressed with him. I think he's a bit better of a striker. I think he can kind of – I like his footwork. He was looking good against uh, Dave Grant until he got caught. So you can't really – I do wonder about his chin, though, because he, he didn't take much time off. So maybe Dos Santos can connect on something big and knock him out. But, again, this is a fight I have no interest in betting just because I'm not high either guy. But it's do or die for either guy. Whoever loses is going to get caught. Both guys are 0-2 in the UFC, so it's really hard to trust either one. I'll pick Day to be a bit more active, just land a bit more shots and probably win a decision, but no bet for me on this fight. I like Martin Day in this fight too. Uh, the last fight, man, that was a good fight, by the way, with Davey Grant. And I actually, my buddy texted me. He's like, dude, who do I bet? I said, put some money on Grant's a dog. And he goes out there and gets the knockout. But it was a competitive fight. Um, that does worry me, though, getting KO'd like that by a guy like Davey Grant who's not a knockout artist. So that does worry me, Cole. Um, but overall, I, Martin Day's got some advantages. He's a little bit younger. He's got a three-inch uh, reach advantage, five-inch height advantage. He's more active uh, as far as landing strikes goes. His takedown defense is decent as well. So I think that overall, he's got a lot of advantage in this fight. Um, DeSantos, he's been kind of just meh, and the UFC haven't been impressed with him at all. Uh, it's definitely a close fight. It's a, probably a loser leaves town fight. But overall, I've been slightly more impressed with Martin Day. I know both guys haven't won yet in the UFC, but I think he's been a little bit closer to getting his hand raised. So Martin Day by decision, that's how I'm looking at this one, Cole. That'd be my pick. As far as the bet goes, I mean, honestly, the line's dropping, so... It's definitely uh, something to consider, I think, at this point. If he gets down, well, it's already a decent price. If he gets down a little bit lower, you could do a straight bet on him. I think he wins this fight, guys. I really do. But again, 0-2 in the UFC, is this the kind of guy you want to put your hard-earned money on? I don't know. I like to bet on guys who are winners, man. That's me. But someone does win and lose in this fight, and I do think it's probably going to be Day getting his hand raised. Next up, Ashley Evans-Smith against Norma Dumont. This fight should be – why is this headlining the, the prelim school? I don't get that at all. Right now we have Nor uh, close odds. Evan Smith, minus 120, and Dumont, plus 100. Who's your picker? Yeah, this is going to pick them all. We just obviously slightly on Ashley Evans Smith. That's how I kind of lean to. Ashley Evans Smith, I know she hasn't fought in quite some time. February 2019, the layoff does scare me. She has not looked good in the UFC. Uh, she, she was in the UFC for a while. Like She was 3-0 uh, going into the UFC, lost for Kel Pennington, tough fight, beat Marin Rowe, Veronica Macedo, then lost to Caitlin Vieira. And submitted in the first time by Sarah Marais, which does not say with only because I don't think Marais is that good. Beat Beck Rollins and lost Andrew Lee. She's been off for a while, but Norma Dumont is someone I am not hard at all. She dropped down to Bantamweight. UFC debut got knocked out by Megan Anderson. Before that, she really didn't fight anyone that good in the Brazil regional scenes. Beat a girl that, uh, by majority decision, 13 and 8. And she got into the UFC after two year layoffs, which I never understood. 
This fight, again, complete pass. Even though I like Evan Smith to probably be a bit more active, uh, stop the takedowns, win a decision. I have no interest in betting this fight. I don't know why this fight's booked in the UFC. I don't really think either girl is UFC caliber, so I would be surprised if the loser gets cut, And even if Dumont loses and she's only 0-2. Yeah, and I know on paper that Evan Smith does that way over Renault. That was one of the worst decisions of yep. all time. That is a horrible decision. And I remember Renault like, dominating in the first round, and I think two judges gave Smith the first round. It made no sense. Anyways, Smith doesn't fight that often. She's never impressed me. I know she's got like an okay ground game, I guess. Her wrestling's okay. But she's never impressed me. Dumont, obviously, coming off a bad loss. Um, but I think there's a little bit more potential there, hopefully. So this is a coin flip, guys. Obviously, you look at the odds. It's a coin flip for a reason. I'm going to slightly lean towards Dumont to pure fade and Evan Smith. I want to fade both of them, but I can't. But I will fade the older fighter and Evan Smith. I'll take Dumont to win a decision in a really bad fight. I don't know why this is the the uh, the feature prelim. Are you kidding me? How could, like, a fight like... Uh, Kamaka just won fighting tonight. He could have easily been the future prelim. Anyways, uh, let's go through the main card quick. Hold. We don't have a lot of time left in this podcast. Uh, Bill Algio against Spike Carlisle. Great fights. I like this one a lot. Right now we have Al- uh, Spike Carlisle minus 165. Algio plus 145. Who's your pick? I'll go with the underdog Bill Algio. I'm just not too high on Spike Carlisle. The guy, I think, has a low fight IQ. And I think if he gets out of the first round, he gasses, which kind of sucks for the Quarantilla where he, loses, he lost last two rounds. I would be surprised a lot if the same thing happens here with Bill Algio, where Spike Carlisle really puts it on Bill, wins the first round pretty convincingly, but kind of gas himself out, and Bill just outstrikes him in the second and third round and wins a decision. I think Bill Bill put on a great fight against uh, Ricardo Lamas, which was a tough uh, debut. He's had a tough run, like Brennan Loughnane, look who he lost to, Jared Gordon, Shane Burgos. Like, his losses are to really good guys. Is Spike Carlisle that good? I'm not too sure, so... I do worry about his cardio. I do worry about uh, his fight IQ, which I, uh, you obviously saw in the Quarantilla where he just turned around with like 10 seconds left. Like, I'm not, I don't want to bet this guy. I like Elgio as a dog. Probably win a decision to win the last two rounds after Carlisle Gasses. Yeah, that's, I actually agree with you completely on this one. I, I think the same thing happens. I think Spark Carl, man, that first fight, that last fight with Quarantilla was a crazy fight, but that first round, he came out like a bat out of hell in that first round and looked great. Uh, but again, gassed out. And I think the same thing happens here. Algio, to me, better cardio, more well-rounded guy, I think, too. Spike Harlow could definitely get the finish, I think, in the first round here. Yep. Um, he's a one-round guy. I think mean, he can get the finish. But overall, Cole, I lean a little bit towards Algio as a dog. I think it's a pick and fight. So I'll plus 145. I'll take the dog money on Bill Algio. I thought he looked great against Ricardo Lamas, man. He's a high-output guy. He is. Uh, he's definitely a solid fighter. I'm going to look at the stats really quick. On well, this and, and while you look at that uh, – a bad thing not to do is look at live betting because I wouldn't be surprised if he gets steamed yeah. up more if Carlisle dominates the first round. Two-inch reach advantage, four-inch height advantage, so that's some more things in his favor, Algio. Um, and the strike slam per minute is is it's twice as much as Carlisle's doing, although small sample size. So can't read too much of that, but overall, I will take Bill Algio. I think there's value on him, plus 145. Let's go to this one. Straight wager. Uh, I forgot about the, getting this comment last one. Dumont's the play here. In my opinion, UFC put her in there versus Anderson with only four fights. They know something. They've seen something in her. They made a tape on Dumont. Ashley banged up and up in weight. Good in money spot. Good plus money spot. I'm with you completely. I like her too enough. I don't love her, but I like her. Sav Sav says who wins Poirier and McGregor. We'll talk about that fight in January like 18th or something. <laughs> it's it's quite a ways away. I don't want to talk about that one right now because I actually uh, really like that fight. And I think it's not as easy as some people are thinking. All right, Cole. We don't have a lot of time left. I want to obviously get some news, but we have five fights left to break down. Let's get right through them. Miguel Baeza against Sakashi Sato. Right now we have Baeza minus 155, Sato plus 135. Who's your pick? 
I'm really high on Miguel Baez. I think the UFC's high on him too. I think this is a good step up in competition. Sado's pretty well known. He earned that step up in competition against Bola Muhammad, and he obviously falls a bit there. His is a uh, UFC wins aren't too good. Jason Witt and Ben Saunders, and I like Baez to eventually uh, land something. Probably knock out Sado in like the second round. Baez has a lot of knock power. Knocked out Matt Brown. Knocked out Hector Aldana, and he uses a lot of good. He uses leg kicks, which is which set up the uh, Hector Aldana win. I think he can chop down that legal edict Sato in the first round, and then eventually, while Sato's a bit hurt, uh, lands on Bay and finish him off in the second. I, I think it's going to be similar to that Matt Brown where he gets that early finish in the second round. I like I like Baeza too. You have to bet on him here, I think. At minus 155, there's value on Miguel Baeza. There's a lot to like about him here. I mean, the guy is he's, – he's good, man. He's unbeaten. He's looked incredible in the UFC. Um, that Matt Brown fight was great. The Hector Aldana fight was great. The Victor Rainer fight. Like, he, looked, he looks good in everything. Don't get me wrong, Sato's good. He's got knockout power. He's he's got some tricks up his sleeve. But there's a lot of things like Baeza, slight reach advantage, uh, taller guy. Uh, like I said, undefeated, a little bit more active in his fights. Sato's got power. He could catch him and knock him out. It's possible, but I, I doubt it. I think Baeza probably is the one who knocks out Sato or wins the decision here. But yeah, cool. Um, I like Baeza. Also, man, I'm surprised it's set at one and a half rounds for the for the round total. I think it could have been two and a half rounds. Uh, I think it's 50-50 on the decision. So possibly there's value on that over as well. Because I don't know if either guy gets finished in the first round. It's possible. But either way, Bicycle, minus 155. I, I think there's value on him, uh, guys, in the spot. All right, next up, Amir Albazi against Shalgas Jumagalov at 125. Right now we have Albazi, minus 110. Jumagalov, minus 110. Pick him, fight, Cole. Give me your pick. I like Jumagalov. I think he got abs. I think he got yeah, he was in his last fight against Julio uh, Paiva, and I actually picked Paiva, and that's like I was like, man, I lost that pick, but uh, I, I take I take the win on that one. But he got hosed. He should have won that fight. He looked good in uh, fighting at global. Like he beat Tyson Ami, beat Ali Bagatunov. You don't win those fights unless he has some skill set. Albazi, I think, obviously has a big advantage on the ground. He also submitted Malcolm Gordon's UFC debut. Looked good in that fight, but. I think on the feet, Zalgas throws more output, is a lot better on the feet. I think he can keep the fight standing, which I do think he can. He should be able to win a decision. I don't know if he'll be able to finish Albazi. I don't really know if either guy can get a finish unless Albazi smiths him. Gulov, both guys are really durable. So I like the output of Zimagulov to be able to keep it on the feet and win a decision. This is a close fight. It could definitely go either way. That's why the odds are like that. I know Albazi looked good in his debut, and Zimagulov lost his, but I picked him in that fight call. I think we all know that was that was a robbery. You look at MMA decisions. Almost every media guy had it for Jumagalov. Um, the fans had it for him. So it was a terrible decision. But you know, overall, I mean, I think it's going to be a super close fight. Um, Albazi's a little bit bigger, like a little taller, a little longer. But uh, Jumagalov's a little bit more active, and I think that's the difference here. Um, he's like a little beast, man. So I like the little pit bull here in Jumagalov a little bit. I think he wins the decision call, so I'm with you on this one. But it's a close fight, no doubt about it. Um, next up, we have. Heavyweight about Josh Parisian against Parker Porter. Josh Parisian right now is a minus uh, 235 favorite. Parker Porter plus 195. Who do you like here, Cole? I, if you got in the opening of minus 160 or minus 165 on Parisian, that's such a good bet. I think this is a uh, setup by Parisian to look good. Porter did not look good in his used debut. I did talk about it, and he kind of made sense of it. He cut weight for the first time in his career for that fight. He said he was around 290. He was not in shape. Because he didn't think a call was coming. He said, look, I, I, he thought he had to win the CES heavyweight title, defend it once for it, and then probably get on the contender series. And he had a kid two weeks before that fight. So he said he was getting no sleep, no training, because he was worried about his kid. This fight, a full camp, because he got this fight literally like a week after his loss. But I think Parisian, I think this is kind of a set of fight for Parisian to get a uh, win in the UFC. 
I think he knocks out Porter in the first. I'm not too impressed with Porter. I think he's a bit too slow for heavyweight. Prezen is pretty fast. He's on his categories. He looks good. I think Prezen gets Porter out there in the first. I love Prezen in the spot, man. I, I'm really surprised. I've seen a lot of people kind of going with Porter as a dog. I don't see it at all. Prezen's a legitimate heavyweight in the UFC. Like, he is really good. He should have been in the UFC a few years ago. Um, he's only 31 years old, too, so I like that about him, man. He's still, like, in his prime. I know he's lost a few times by KO. I, and to guys that he should have beaten, like Miguel – uh, Mikel Batista on tough and then Tony Lopez and King of the Cage. But you look at all the wins he has, Cole. Like the fight over against – he actually shooted in the UFC two years ago when he knocked out Greg Rebello yep. with a spinning back fist. I don't know why he didn't get in the UFC. They sent him to tough. He lost. He fought Brett Martin, uh, who's a really good prospect in his first fight off of tough. And he lost that fight. Everyone thought he sucked. Since then, he's won six straight fights by knockout. Now we know Brett Martin's a legitimate prospect. He was supposed to fight Bigfoot in that fight. I think the commission actually said no because they know Bigfoot would have got KO'd. Um, I really like Parisian in this fight. There's just nothing like about Porter in the spot, Cole. He's older guy. He's 35. He looked horrible in his UFC debut. I know he's got some experience, obviously, against guys like John Jones and Gabriel Gonzaga, but he's lost those fights. He's been knocked out a bunch of times. I don't trust this guy at all. I like Josh Parisian a lot in this fight, Cole. I will be playing him in some capacity here. Um, I know it's a heavyweight fight. Don't like, don't love laying juice in heavyweight fights, but I actually think he should be like minus 400 here. I really am that high on this guy. Josh Parisian by first round knockout, Cole. Takes him down, ground and pound him. I think that's how it's going to go. Parisian by TKO. Odds, minus 110. Pick him odds. I think he finishes. There's no way this fight goes to distance, right? Cole, can you see any, any way it goes to distance? I don't even see it going to the second round. Me either. I think it ends in the first two. Parisian, first round TKO. Here we go. John Hunko. John, what's going on, man? Cole, you're really remembering. Hope you got. Hope you still have it when you come on my show. Love the no, show. It'll be gone by then. I love John, too. And I'll be actually on John's show tomorrow night at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern time. He does it at uh, South China Morning Post, so I'll be doing that with him. I'll post a link on my Twitter tomorrow. Two fights, and then we have a little bit of news. we got like seven minutes left, Cole. we got to go through this quick. Anthony Smith against Devin Clark. Anthony Smith, minus 140. Devin Clark, plus 120. Who's your pick here? This is such a hard fight to call because... Devin Clark, someone I don't really know what his ceiling is. And you obviously look good against Alonzo Menafield, but how good is Menafield? Menafield's coming off that layoff. Maybe that's a win that doesn't look as good as hindsight, but at the time, look good. For that beat Daquan Townsend, not very good. Lost to Ryan Span, beat Darko Stosic. Like he, he doesn't, what's his best win? Probably Mike Rodriguez or Alonzo Menafield, which are the highest caliber light heavyweights. Anthony Smith, though, has not looked good at all this year. Uh, fifth round knock and loss to Glover to share it, and he got absolutely dominated by Alexander Rakic. I'm picking Devin Clark as the underdog just because I don't know what Anthony Smith is like right now. I think this is a fight I don't want to bet either side. I'm not high on Devin Clark, and I want to fade Anthony Smith. Anthony Smith, I think, has taken way too much damage this year. I don't know why he's returning, but what, three months after he got absolutely dominated, his leg like chopped off against Alexander Rakic? I don't. I see a path of victory for both guys. I see Devin Clark using his wrestling, holding Smith down, just kind of ground pounding him, winning a decision. I can see Anthony Smith stuffing the takedowns, just piecing up Clark on the view, winning a decision. I don't, I'll take Clark just because that's more of a fate on Anthony Smith. I don't know where he is at this point in his career, but uh, this is kind of do or die for Anthony Smith if he's going to be something in the light heavyweight division. Yeah, I'm with you completely. This is, this is, this is a weird fight, man. I mean, why is he fighting so, so often this year? He's getting his ass kicked and fighting quickly. He got destroyed by Glover in May, came back, got destroyed by Rakic in August. Now he's coming back as Clark. Listen, Anthony Smith's got a lot of things that you can like about him. He's, he's a huge light heavyweight. He was huge at middleweight too. Big light heavyweight, a lot of experience. He has finishing ability. Um, he's got okay wrestling. It's not horrible. 
Um, in general, he's, he's a pretty solid fighter, but the last two fights, how can you bet on this guy right now? You can't. You have to fade him here. I know Clark, there's a lot of problems with his game too. His chin is not very good. We've seen him get KO'd a few times. Um, he's kind of like a grinder, I guess, in a way. But the last fight, Menifield did show some things to me here in that fight. Uh, his chin looked a lot better. He, he was really durable in that fight. He, and, he, and he just fought more aggressively, which I like to see. So I'm actually with you, Cole. I'm going to slay towards Clark because I think it's a 50-50 fight. I'll take the plus 120, but honestly, guys, I don't think I could bet in this fight because I just feel like both guys have a lot of holes in their game. All right, Cole, main event of the evening. Let's get to this really quick here, Cole. Curtis Blades against Derek Lewis. Curtis Blades minus 345. Derek Lewis plus 285. Uh, I'll just say it right away, Cole. I really like Curtis Blades in this fight. I think the takedowns win out in this fight, guys. Derek Lewis, obviously, he's a guy that has um, the ability to come back late in the fight and get a late KO. We've seen it happen many times. He actually has five third round or later finishes in the UFC, but Curse Blades is, is a guy that's only been finished by Vigano. It's the first round standing up. I, I just feel like Curtis Blades' wrestling is going to be way too much, Cole. What are your quick thoughts on this fight? I like Curtis Blades all along at this price because I do worry about his cardio. We saw what Volkov did to him in the later rounds. If Derek Lewis is still around in that later rounds, he still didn't expend much energy because he got taken down. I think he could knock out Curtis Blades. I do wonder, like, we've seen Blades get knocked out. Derek Lewis has a ton of knock power. Lewis also gets up a lot from takedowns just because he's so strong. He doesn't yeah. do the mental thing. He literally just bullies his way up. If he keeps on doing that, Curtis Blades, I wouldn't be surprised he knocked him out. I like Curtis Blades to just use his wrestling to win a, may, I think, a late stoppage. I think it's stoppage too, yeah. I was going to say, I think, I think it's third, I think third, fourth round. I can't see it being early. I think Lewis is going to get up from some takedowns, but eventually he's going to get knocked, like TKO'd. But I yeah. don't like the price on Curtis Blades. I think it's a bit too high. It's a little too high. I, I remember writing my article last week. I said, if you can get him at the opener, like minus 250 or something, yeah. that's where you should take him because it's going to get steamed up to minus, three, minus 350, minus 400. I was bang on on this one. It, it, it might balance out a little bit by fight night, but yeah, I, I just think there's a lot of advantages for Curse Blades. I actually do agree with you, Cole. I think he takes him down and gets a finish. We have like no time left, but there's a few pieces of news, Cole. Lightning round, okay? PFL is not signing Anderson Silva. Does he sign with one championship instead? What do you think? No. Where's he go? Ryzen? He fights again. Anderson Silva will fight again, guys. I'm telling you right now. You think it goes to Ryzen? One championship already came out, so they don't want him either. So what's he down to? Ryzen and Baron Knuckle? Yeah. Oh, Baron Knuckle, too. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Uh, Peter Yan, Algerman Sterling's off 256. And uh, the Jose Aldo, Marlon Vera fight. You broke that fight call December 19th card. That's pretty sweet. We got a few fight announcements really fast here. Tony Ferguson against Charles Oliveira. We do have odds for that. Ferguson minus 130, Oliveira plus 110. Surprised at the odds. I gotta be honest, Cole. It seems pretty, pretty short in Ferguson's direction. Thought it'd be longer. KS Williams against Michelle Perheya. We have odds for that. Perheya open as a favorite. Oh, I, I don't know about that one. Team the hell out of that thing. And what are the odds right now? Perheya. It should have um, been minus one. Yeah, he's still favorite. KS Williams is a dog, guys. You gotta take KS Williams as a dog. I mean, don't like to spoil future fights, but are you kidding me? That guy's a dog right now. Lonzo Menifield is really a night. I know you, uh, you like this fight, Cole. It's a good one. Uh, and then Greg Hardy versus Martin Tabura. Any thoughts on those fights I just uh, named? I, I, just the Hardy one, I think this is a good test for him. Let's see how good his wrestling is because Tabura has the capability of just holding yeah. him down and making him boring fight. Yeah, and that's on that uh, December 19th card, which is just ridiculously stacked. It's like one of the best cards I've seen. All right, we did it. We actually made it through everything. That's good. So I appreciate everyone tuning in today for the podcast. Thanks, guys. I'll be back on Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Uh, I'll be talking about the Tyson card and other MMA news as well. I uh, might be doing a podcast one for odds.com. I'll tweet that out if I am, possibly about the Tyson fight. So I'll let you guys know. It's looking pretty good. Um, but yeah, as far as this goes, that's going to be it for today's podcast. Cole, plug your stuff. Let's get out of here. 
Twitter, Akosho91, the show this week, Badu Jack, Fidel Riley, Gina Mazzani, Parker Porter, articles with all them. I talked to Rashad Coulter. That was up yesterday. Fighter picks for Bladesless and Tyson Jones, Axe Boxers, and some uh, UFC fighters about that. So that should be good. Uh, other than that, I think it's always on my Twitter. It's stuff, Cole. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Ananata Martin. I'm available at bjpen.com, mmaoddsbreaker.com, mmaringsonnet, and odds.com. Got a lot of content out this week. Definitely check it out, guys. Appreciate you tuning in. I'll be back at 10 a.m. on Thursday morning. Have a good one, guys. Bye.